Reminds me of the Antichrist when God as a judgment will send a deluding influence that because of people's lack of response during the tribulation, the Bible says they will embrace what is false. That's what Ahab is doing. And listen to me, if, if you're listening to God's word, it's just a mere formality to you. You ought to be scared to death because you're playing Russian roulette with your soul. Welcome to Search the Scriptures, the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Carl Brogy, Senior Pastor of Community Bible Church of Beaufort, South Carolina. We're in a biographical study of the prophet Elijah. We're in 1 Kings 21, where we find King Ahab upset over the fact that a righteous man by the name of Naboth refuses to sell Ahab his vineyard. Under the direction of Ahab's wife, the wicked Jezebel, Naboth is invited to an assembly marking a fast. At this fast, two men falsely accuse Naboth of cursing God and the king. Those assembled then take Naboth and stone him to death. This in turn allows Ahab to seize the land that he desires. As we rejoin Dr. Brogy, we find the prophet Elijah confronting this unrighteous king. Just about the time that Ahab walks in to take possession of his brand new vineyard, he comes face to face with God's man. Notice verse 20. So Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? And he answered, I have found you, because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. And then with righteous indignation, he says, Behold, I will bring evil upon you and will utterly sweep you away and will cut you off from Ahab, every male, both bond and free in Israel. And I will make you like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. What happened in Jeroboam's house? There was a guy named Basha the third king in Israel's history, and he killed every son of Jeroboam. The whole group is wiped out. And like God uses an evil man to wipe out an evil man, and like the house of Basha, what happened to him? He was eaten by dogs, and his relatives who died in the field were eaten by birds. I will make your house like their house. Why? Because of the provocation which you have provoked me to anger, and because you have made Israel sin. Of Jezebel also has the Lord spoken, saying the dogs will eat Jezebel in the district of Jezreel. And so Ahab and Jezebel thought they had stolen a vineyard, but what they had really stolen was their future and life forever with the living God. Furthermore, verse 24 says, the one belonging to Ahab who dies in the city, the dogs will eat. That's Jezebel, his wife. And the one who dies in the field, the birds of heaven will eat. Those are his descendants, just like Basha. God is telling Ahab through Elijah that someday in the place where they literally licked up Naboth's blood, they'll lick up your blood. He is reminding him that while he annihilated Naboth, God saw it. You may have ripped him off and murdered him, but God saw it. And so summarizing his life, notice verse 25. Surely 
There was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, incited him. He acted very abominably in following idols according to all the Amorites had done, whom the Lord cast out before the sons of Israel. And with those words, he makes Ahab cower in his tracks, and Elijah suddenly disappears as fast as he had appeared. And he'll ride his chariot 20 miles all the way back to Samaria with those words ringing in his mind. Now look at his response starting in verse 27. It came about when Ahab heard these words that he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and fasted and he lay in sackcloth and went about despondently. I mean, can you imagine how infuriating this must have been to Jezebel? What are you doing, man? What are you tearing your robes for? Why are you putting that ash on your face? You're telling the whole nation that we're guilty. You're telling everyone that we killed somebody, that we stole their vineyard. Don't tell that to the nation. Look at verse 28. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Do you see how Ahab humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days, but I will bring the evil upon his house in his son's days. And people read this and they say, God, why don't you just zap him? Have you gone soft? No, God has not gone soft. He's not like the politician who makes one kind of a promise and then does something else. You say, well, is God being slack? I mean, doesn't God see that this fellow tearing his clothes and putting ash on his face is not real? Please understand that it is important to distinguish between the postponement of God's wrath and the actual cancellation of God's wrath because there is a big difference. But sometimes in answer to human response, God stays the judgment. God does here. He sees Ahab's response. And so he doesn't obliterate his house as soon as he might have. He's giving this man an opportunity to repent. Why? Because God loves to forgive. I mean, clearly from what God said in verse 29, Ahab's remorse made an impression on God. But sadly, while his remorse is sincere, it's not lasting. It may be serious, but it is only temporary. He's like the person that Jesus describes in the parable of the sower where he describes four responses people make when they hear the word. And the first three soils, that of unbelievers. And those that hear the word, but it doesn't take root, who fall away. He says those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no firm root. They believe for a while. And in time of temptation, they fall away. We studied this on Wednesday night. We saw that every time you see the word belief, it's not always in reference to saving faith. The demons believe and tremble. Obviously, they're not saved. It's intellectual. It's here. They give assent to it here, but they never truly believe with the heart unto righteousness. So Ahab is like the one who takes a step towards God, but never actually steps into the kingdom of God. And as you read the rest of the narrative, it is clear that he didn't truly repent because if he had truly repented, he would have relinquished the vineyard and given it back. And so with all that said, there's real remorse, but there's not real repentance. But God yearns 
for people to repent and believe. You say, had he truly believed, would God have forgiven him? He would have forgiven him as much as he forgave the thief on the cross, as much as he forgave wicked King Manasseh, who did unspeakable things, but he came to genuine faith, and you will meet him in heaven someday. God's mercy on Ahab is real. God's appeal was real, but he wanted him to go deeper. But you see, God knows all. That's why the scripture can say, before the foundation of the world, God wrote the name of every person whom you will meet in heaven. You say it was all fixed. No, it was not all fixed. God is omniscient. If God didn't know that, God would not be God. And had this man responded to God's initiative, you would meet him in heaven, but God knew he wouldn't respond. Did God want him to respond? God is giving him a real chance to respond. That's why God said to Ezekiel, say to them, as I live, declares the Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways. God gets excited when he can forgive people and show people mercy. He's reaching, he's wooing, he's prodding Ahab, but he doesn't believe. Well, did God mean what he said? Did his judgment finally come? Oh, yes, it did. As certainly as night follows day, judgment came on his home just as God predicted. When mercy is spurned, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will reap. The person who will not go in the direction that God points him to, he will meet God someday in a terrible day of wrath. The home that has no room for Jesus Christ, will meet God in death and judgment in hell. The church that soft pedals the message of the Bible, who is not faithful to the truth delivered, the faith delivered to the saints once and for all. Someday God will write Ichabod over that church, meaning the glory of the Lord has departed. The individual who misuses God's name and repeatedly takes it in vain. The scripture says that someday the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain, the homosexual who acts on a wicked passion, the heterosexual who sleeps around with women to whom they are not married. God says her house is to the way of hell going down to the chambers of death. The college student who likes to drink his booze, to get his buzz, to get drunk. God says drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of God. Proverbs warns, he who digs a pit will fall into it, and he who rolls a stone, it will come back on him. Job said, according to what I have seen, those who plow iniquity and those who sow trouble harvest it. Hosea said, for they sow the wind and they reap the whirlwind. That is, they sin like a breeze, but it comes back to them like a cyclone. And the Savior of the world will say to the lost of all time, depart from me, accursed ones into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Judgment is coming. People may think they're having a big time now and they're getting away with it. And that's what the devil wants to convince you. He wants you to have his kind of happiness, but it never works. God is giving a warning through Ahab. 
And knowing that God is omniscient, every word of prophecy is literally fulfilled. Again, did this judgment that God prophesies against this king happen? You better believe it. Three years go by. Ahab is still king. And I'm sure during those three years as they're eating the herbs from their new vegetable garden, I can almost hear his wife say, Ahab, help yourself to these herbs. <laughs> Elijah, the prophet, he said the dogs were going to lick your blood. I guess they lost the scent. But one day, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, the king of the southern kingdom, comes to Ahab, the king of Israel, the king of the northern kingdom, and they had a common enemy. And they were actually friends. Why? Because Ahab's daughter, the scripture reminds us, married his son. And so Jehoshaphat comes and says, I think we need to deal with this guy. Because if we don't deal with him, he's going to deal with us. And Ahab says, you're right, we need to. But Jehoshaphat says, are there any prophets of the Lord that we can consult? So we can find out whether or not God will give us victory? And so, yes, he says, of course. And you can read about it in 1 Kings chapter 22. He says, yes, I've got 400 prophets. I thought they were all killed by Elijah. They were years before. But they're just property of the king. He gets 400 new prophets. So he gets the 400 prophets together. And the scripture says in chapter 22 that they claim to speak in God's name. They claim to speak by God's spirit. They claim to, to promise God's success. Go ahead, Ahab. The victory is yours. It's okay for you and Jehoshaphat to go up. But Jehoshaphat smells a problem here. He says, is there not someone else, another prophet that we can inquire? Well, there's still one. His name is Micaiah, but I hate him. Because every time he prophesies, he always gives me bad news. Well, I think we need to hear from him. Now remember, God was gracious to this man. He still gave him one true voice who would tell him what was real. Why? Because God loves people. He takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But his heart is hard. It's unrepentant. It is now established. And I wonder if the contemporary evangelical church has not slid back into the Ahab mindset where we may not be hostile to the word of God, but we're embarrassed by it. So we've got our contemporary little churches that advertise a safe, non-judgmental atmosphere. What does that mean? It means you don't want to say anything negative. You certainly don't want to make people feel guilty because it will never fill seats. So an emissary goes and retains Micaiah the prophet. And this party-pooping prophet comes along and listen to what 1 Kings twenty-two thirteen 13 says. But now the words of the prophets are uniformly favorable to the king. Please let your word be like the word of them and speak favorably. Say what we said. So Micaiah the prophet comes right back and says, As the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me. I shall speak. And so with tongue in cheek, he comes into the presence of the king and he says, go up king, the victory is yours. And while we cannot hear the tone of voice, it's obvious from the response that Ahab knows that he's speaking sarcastically. And so he says, how many times must I adjure you to speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? 
You're not telling me the truth. You've never told me the truth. You never preached anything good before. When in reality, everything he said was good because everything he said was true. And so he gives it to him. I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep which have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each of them return to his house in peace. If Israel has no shepherd, if Israel has no master, that means Ahab's going to be eliminated in the battle. And by biting implication, then Israel will really have peace. So there you have it, king. You tell me if you should go up to Ramoth Gilead or not. But you see, because Ahab has never really repented, he can't hear the word of God. And some of you watching me, some of you listening to me, you think you've got tomorrow, next week, next year to make a decision for Christ. But when you keep putting God off, there will come a point where you cannot hear the word of God. Jesus said the devil will take the seed and snatch it that they may not believe and be saved. So at this point, it doesn't matter to him whether Micaiah speaks truth or falsehood because he's beyond the point of hearing a clear word from the Almighty God. So Micaiah warns Ahab in 1 Kings 22, 22, don't listen to all these false prophets. They are speaking by a deceiving spirit. Reminds me of the Antichrist. When God as a judgment will send a deluding influence that because of people's lack of response during the tribulation, the Bible says they will embrace what is false. That's what Ahab is doing. And listen to me, if, if you're listening to God's word, it's just a more, mere formality to you. You ought to be scared to death because you're playing Russian roulette with your soul. And so Zedekiah a leader among these 400 prophets steps up to the plate. I mean, he made church fun. He spoke to the king about all the victory. He's a Joel Osteen of sorts. This is great. This is a fun thing. We're going to have victory, king. So Zedekiah, the son of Chenaniah, came there and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, how did the spirit of the Lord pass from me to speak to you? And so they throw him into the slammer where all he can eat is bread and water for preaching the truth. You see, what Ahab did not understand and what so many today do not understand is that God's word is both free and it is true. It cannot be manipulated by a king or by a messenger or by some sleek preacher or some politician or some supreme court. You cannot manipulate it. You can baptize it in religion. And so Nancy Pelosi says, yeah, we keep the golden rule. We believe the golden rule while she endorses the slaughter of innocent children. She says Black Lives Matter, where 49% of the babies killed in America are African-American babies. Black, black lives don't matter to her. God's word is true, and it is free. You cannot imprison it. So a couple comes to me, and they want me to marry them. And as like any couple, we do the initial counseling appointment to see if I can marry them. She's a believer. He is not. And I share the gospel. Does he want to receive Christ? No. I say, I can't marry you. 
And he says, Pastor, do you realize that we're going to move here? We wanted to join your church. And we have family that go to this church. And we won't come to this church. And I guarantee my family won't come to this church. And we'll find some other clergy in town that will marry us. And what they don't understand is that the word of God is not under my control. I'm in bondage to the word of God. And so here's Micaiah. He's a lonely preacher, but he is telling the unadulterated truth. And Ahab does not listen. Nonetheless, he's cautious because this guy's got a track record. I mean, he has a bundle of contradictions as you read chapter 22. On the one hand, he hates the word of God. On the other hand, he wants to hear the word of God. On the one hand, he fears the word of God. On the other hand, he defies the word of God. He's a perfect picture of a natural man, someone who's lost. And somehow he thinks he can outsmart God. So they go into battle and he dresses up like a buck private. They won't get me, they're looking for the king. And then some stray error under the providence and the sovereignty of God finds one little crack in his armor. He said, this is fatal, take me home. And the blood is dripping all over the floorboards of the chariot. And by the time they bring him back to the city, he's a dead king. And they take his chariot to that place where the prostitutes get ready every night and paint their faces. And they wash the blood out of his chariot and the dogs lick up his blood. And God's word through Elijah is literally fulfilled. Fast forward 20 years, Queen Jezebel is now ruling the kingdom through her son Joram. And I'm sure by this time she has laughed about Elijah's prophecy. He's been gone for 20 years. God had taken him up into heaven. But one day she tries to seduce a man by the name of Jehu. She calls down from her balcony, her second story balcony, Jehu, all painted up. And he says, you two guys, you for me? Yes, throw her over. And she hits the ground and smashes her head and she's dead. A few hours later, he thinks, you know, she is a king's daughter. We should at least bury her. But by the time he sends a contingency of men to go get her and to bury her, all that's left is her skull, her feet, and the palm of her hands. The rest of her body had been eaten by dogs. This is the word of the Lord, which he spoke by his servant Elijah the Tishbite, saying, in the property of Jezreel, the dog shall eat the flesh of Jezebel. And like her husband, this infamous queen had been swept into hell. Now, I hope you've been listening this morning because there are two major lessons and you don't want to miss them. Save people will pay now. You will pay with persecution. You will be left out. You'll be ignored. Sometimes you'll be slandered. And some of God's people are paying with their lives. But lost people, they will pay later. And Ahab and Jezebel illustrates this for us. God said judgment would come, and it came. And you may be here this morning, you think you've got life by the horns, and you're on top of everything. And you may be a God-hater like Jezebel, or you may be someone who's covered over an outward religion with no inward reality, but either way, 
there will come a time when it will be too late and you'll be swept into hell. And God didn't make hell for you. He made hell for the devil and his angels. And if you go to hell, you'll be trespassing. God wants you to go to heaven. He wants to forgive you. But his justice will be met either in your life where you spend an eternity away from him or you come and embrace his substitute who has pierced through for our transgressions, who has chastened for our well-being, and God caused the punishment that we deserve to fall upon him. Would you call upon him today, the risen Lord? Now, our Father, thank you for your word. It is true. It never changes. And we live in a day where people mock it and ignore it. And they baptize their wicked lifestyle with a verse here or there. But help us not to be deceived. Help us to realize what is unfolding in our day the very things that the Lord Jesus prophesied would happen at the end of the age. I pray that we might have hearts filled with compassion, that as someone cared about our soul enough to reach out and invite us to church or to share a testimony or the plan of salvation, may our hearts be filled with compassion where we would tell them of a Savior who died, who was buried, who was raised for them, that if they will call upon him in faith, they can be saved. Thank you for the incredible mercy that you've shown us. Though our sins are many, many, your mercy is greater. I pray today for some dear person listening to me that they would realize what you've said, that today is a day of salvation. When you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Help them to realize they have no promise of tomorrow. Help them to realize that to put you off is to harden their heart where they will not be able to hear you. Help someone, Father, in simple childlike faith, believing what you promised, to say, Lord Jesus, save me. And we ask it in our Savior's name and for his honor. Amen. To listen again to today's study from 1 Kings 21 entitled, The Justice of God, use the Search the Scriptures app for smartphones and tablets, or visit us online at searchthescriptures.org. You can also order a CD or DVD by calling 877-787-7478 and requesting program ELI7. Search the Scriptures is made possible through the prayers and financial support of listeners like you. For more information on how you can help, call 877-787-7478. Thank you. Tomorrow we move into 2 Kings as we continue our study of the prophet Elijah and look at making spiritual decisions. Join us then as we search the Scriptures. For thousands of years, no place on earth has been more precious to God's people than the land of Israel. It was here that God first chose to bring the Messiah, and it is where he will usher in his second coming. Nothing compares to visiting the places you've only read about. For those serious students of the Bible, a trip to Israel it adds depth and interest to every page of Scripture. Search the Scriptures Israel tour is far more than a vacation. 
It's a spiritual journey that will impact your faith in an intense way. I'd love for you to go with me to Israel September the 28th to October the 8th or October the 7th to October the 17th. If you would like to have information, you can go online to stsisraeltour.com. The price is inclusive for everything. Airfare, hotels, three meals a day, tips, everything. Everything. 